Well, we finished our series in the book of Acts. It took us almost a whole year. But today is exciting because we are about to start on a new series. It's called Kingdom Stories. Today, we find the word of the Lord opening us up to Matthew 13, starting from verse 3 to verse 23. This is the word of the Lord. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other other seeds fell on good soil, And produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their eyes they can bear excuse me, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your ears, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for the one, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. All right, uh, we'll get into it. Um, The vision, the vision of our church is to see God's kingdom come, 
His will be done in our homes, our communities, and the world. This is what we want to see. This is what we desire. This is what we are hoping for, for God's kingdom to come into every sphere of our lives. Now, for this to become reality, we have to first understand what the kingdom of God is. What are its characteristics? What are its values? What are its core teachings? Uh, What does it look like? What does it smell like? What does the kingdom of God feel like? What is the kingdom of God? So, in hopes of understanding the kingdom, I want to turn our attention to Jesus' parables for the next few months. Now, most of the time when Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God, He uses parables, short stories. He uses short stories to describe what the kingdom is like. Now, I've been living in Pennsylvania for a few years now, long enough that whenever I see friends and family from New York, sometimes they ask me, so what's Philly like? What's Pennsylvania like? What's the city of Philadelphia like? And in describing Philadelphia, I often use parables. I say, you know, Philly is like like a working-class Italian-American who had the chance of fighting the heavyweight boxing champion. He takes up the challenge. He trains using unorthodox means, and he wins the heart of America because he fights with so much grit and passion. Blue-collar at heart, loyal to a fault. Or I say this, you know, Philly is like, um, it's like Microsoft. It's not as sexy as Apple, not as all-encompassing like Amazon. It's not as meta like Facebook or innovative like Google. But it's industrious, it's reliable, no frills, and it's foundational for the technological world. Just like how you can't tell the story of technology without Microsoft, you can't tell the story of America without Philadelphia. Accurate, right? Yeah, that's, that's a parable. And that's what Jesus does when he teaches about the kingdom of God. He tells stories that often begin like this. The kingdom of God is like dot, dot, dot. The kingdom of God is like. It's like a farmer who went out to sow. The kingdom of God is like a widow who was seeking justice. The kingdom of God is like two brothers and a father. The kingdom of God is like a king who sent his son. See, in describing the kingdom of God, Jesus, he doesn't give us a dictionary definition, or he doesn't explain it through the use of a theological treatise. Instead, he gives illustrations, short stories that are snippets of the kingdom. So, as a church, For the next few months, as we try to grasp this vision, every week we'll look at one parable, one piece, in hopes that when we're done, we'll see the mosaic that is the kingdom of God. To start, we have to begin with the parable of the sower, as we've just read in Matthew 13. According to this parable, uh, there's a sower, and the sower represents Jesus, and he sows seeds. And those seeds represent the Word of God. And the seeds fall on four different types of grounds. First, it falls on the rocks or the roads, then the rocks, then the thorns and the good soil. 
Now, these four different types of grounds, they represent different types of people who receive or listen to the Word of God. Now, we find in the story that the seed that falls on the first three types of grounds, they either die or they get snatched up. It doesn't last. It doesn't produce any fruit. However, the seed that falls on the good soil does. It grows up. It bears fruit and increases 30, 60, 100-fold. Now, whenever this story is taught, the interpretation always goes along the lines like this. You, we always hear the story, and, and we, we go away thinking, okay, this is what this story is teaching. Uh, when we hear the Word of God being preached and taught, we have to be like good soil. We have to till the ground. We have to prepare the soil. We have to make it fertile so that when we receive the Word, we can grow. We shouldn't be like the road, the rocks, or the thorns. We should be like the good soil. Now, this is true, but that is not what the parable is mainly about. Remember, this parable is not a parable of the soil, but it's a parable of the sower. This story isn't meant to teach us primarily about ourselves, but it's meant to teach us about the sower, and that's Jesus. What does it teach us about Jesus? Well, you know, I'm no expert in farming or groundskeeping. In fact, the first time I mowed a lawn was four years ago when I moved to my current home. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. My neighbors who worked in landscaping Uh, It seems like that's what a lot of people do in in this area, at least, whenever I ask, hey, what did you do? Oh, I do landscaping. What do you do? I do construction. Uh, But both of my neighbors, they were in landscaping for some time, and when I was mowing the lawn for the first time, I mean, they were probably looking out their windows and uh, laughing at me, a grown man from Brooklyn trying to figure out how to cut grass. I remember because after I was done, they both came out to congratulate me, but also mockingly uh, asked, so how was it? Because after I mowed the ground, I looked and I saw that it was done, but all of my sides were sticking out. For some reason, the mower wasn't getting to the edge. You know, for men, you know, when sometimes your hair grows out on the side, it starts sticking out like, you know, outwards. That's what it looked, that's what my lawn looked like. I had no idea what a weed whacker was, a trimmer. I just bought an electric mower. Even that was a wrong decision. Now, I'm no expert on working the grounds, as you can tell, but even I know when I read this parable that if you sow seeds on the roads, the rocks, and the thorns, you're not going to get anything. It doesn't take a genius to know that if you sow seeds on the road, you are going to get nothing. If you want to produce a harvest, you have to carefully, with precision, sow seeds on soil that has been tilled. So the question is, what kind of stupid sower scatters seeds on the rocks, the roads, and the thorns? That stupid sower is Jesus. You have to ask why. Why does Jesus tell this story of a a sower himself, scattering seeds everywhere, knowing full well the results? Look with me at verse 9. This is what Jesus says. After he tells this parable, he says in verse 9, He who has ears, let him hear. 
Now, this is an indication that there's something more to this message. He's saying there is a deeper meaning. If you have ears to really listen, you need to listen to what I'm saying. And so the disciples respond in verse 10. They say, why are you talking this way? Why are you being cryptic, Jesus? And Jesus responds in this way. And these are the two most important verses in this parable. He says this, verses 11 and 12. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And then in verse 13 he says this. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. If I can just sum it up, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying this, if you understand, and if you believe in the kingdom of God, this parable and all the other parables that I'm about to tell you is going to make sense. It's going to teach you so much about who I am, who my Father is, and what my kingdom is about. That's what Jesus is saying. If you understand, the parables are going to clarify. It's going to open your eyes. You're going to be amazed. But, but if you don't understand, for those who refuse to believe, the parables they will con- confuse you, it's going to conceal, it's going to confound you. The people who don't understand the kingdom of God, they're going to be left wondering, what is Jesus talking about? He doesn't make any sense. He's being impractical, too idealistic. The kingdom is just a farce. So Jesus is saying, listen, the parables have two effects. It both clarifies and it confounds. It discloses and it conceals. It brings people closer to the kingdom of God, and it also pronounces judgment upon those who reject this message. This is what a parable does. For those who get it, they get it even more. Those who don't, it confuses them. Here's, here's an illustration. Uh, when, I, when I was young, we used to play this uh, silly game called the bang-bang game. Now, before I tell you about it and actually play this game with you today, I have to give you a warning. Um, To play this game, I have to hold my fingers out like an imaginary gun, and I will pretend to shoot. So please don't get triggered. (laughs) No pun intended. But please, you know, it's just an imaginary game just for fun. I know guns have become a sensitive topic. But we used to play this game called Bang Bang Click Click. And... uh, It was a game that, if you knew the secret, it was just so obvious, so fun, and you had a great time, and you laughed. But if you didn't, you were just confused. You had no idea what was going on. Does anyone know this game? Just could you raise your hand? No one. Oh, my goodness. I'm the only one who knows the secret. Okay, so let's just, here's an experiment, social experiment. Okay, so Unsu, Jason, Joe, and John, our four Priestine brothers, on set today. Okay, let's play this game, okay? Unsu bang, Jason bang, uh, Joe click, John click, Joe bang, Jason bang. Of the four people who were targeted, who was fatally injured? The four of you want to take a guess? (laughs) 
Does no one know this game? I'm the only. Seung, who was fatally injured? No, you don't know the game. <laughs> Wait. Okay, we'll play it one more time, okay, quickly. Unsu Bang, Jason Bang, Click Joe, Click Jason, Bang John. Who was fatally injured of the four of you? Someone say it. Who? John? Okay, Sailing, you want to give it a try? Who was fatally injured? No, it was Unsu. Okay. Now, this is a silly game, and this is, this is a failed social project because I thought some of you might have known it. For those of you who know it, it actually becomes a very funny game. I'll teach you the secret, some of you, and then we'll play it outside uh, during fellowship. But if you know the secret and you play it over and over again, it's so obvious, it's so funny, and you get a great laugh out of it. But for those who don't know... You're just thinking, who is it? What is going on? And you just get confused over and over and over again. And this is a silly game we used to play on the school, bu- on, on the bus to school, or you know during uh, trips. Bang bang, click click. For those who get it, it's so obvious. But for those who don't, it confuses you. It confounds you. It brings clarity, and it also brings confusion. See, that's what the kingdom parables do. Jesus says, the reason why I tell parables is to clarify and conceal at the same time. It hides and it shows at the same time. It brings life and salvation, but it also pronounces judgment at the very same time. You see, if you read Matthew, this is what you'll find. In chapters 4 to 6, you'll find that Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon about the kingdom of God, and he is so, so clear about what the kingdom is. But the people still don't seem to get it. At every turn, they challenge Jesus. They question Jesus. They continue to ridicule, rebuke him, and mock him. And they keep asking Jesus the same question over and over again. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you really? And right before this chapter, this is what the Pharisees and the scribes ask Jesus. They say this, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Show us a sign. They want Jesus to prove to them that he is the Son of God, the Savior whom they can trust. Now Jesus responds, I'm not going to give you a sign. I told you over and over again, I've shown you miracle after miracle. You don't trust me, not because of the lack of evidence, but because your hearts are hardened. Your hearts are fattened. Your pride and your ego is blinding you. Your desire to be king over your life is prohibiting you from seeing and acknowledging the true king. Your ambition to building your own kingdom is preventing you from joining the real kingdom. And from this point on in Matthew 13, Jesus starts to talk in parables. And he begins with this parable to make this very point. The sower isn't stupid. The sower isn't being wasteful. But through the parable, Jesus is showing the present reality. Those who get it will get it even more like the good seed or the, the, good, the seed on the good soil. If you get it, you'll get it even more. Those who understand will understand more. He who has ears to listen, let him know. Let him understand But 
for those who don't, it's going to confuse and bring greater judgment, like the seeds that fell on the rock, the road, and the thorns. Matthew 13 is a parable about why Jesus speaks in parables. This is the punchline to the parable. He says this, For the one who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That's why Jesus speaks in parables. Now, I thought it would be better if I just shortened this um, to, to be more helpful. This is what Jesus is saying regarding the kingdom of God. Those who get it, get it. Those who don't, don't. Or something a bit more colloquial, I thought, haters going to hate. Right? That's this, haters going to hate. You know what that means? Like, haters going to hate. Those who get it, get it. Those who don't, don't. Or something a bit more colloquial, hate us because they ain't us. Right? Hate us because they ain't us, right? Haters going to hate. That's, that's the saying, right? Those who get it are going to get it. But those who don't, they're not. Or if that's too vulgar, vulgar uh, here's uh, Emily Dickinson. She writes this. Tell all the truth, but tell it plant. Success in circuit lies. Too bright for our infirm delight. The truth's superb surprise. As lightning to the children eased with explanation kind, the truth must dazzle gradually or every man be blind. Tell it slant. Tell the truth in a slant way. That's what Jesus is doing. That's what this parable is about. As I conclude, there are just three points of application that I want to go through. So what does this mean for us? What what can we take away from this today? Just three points. The first is self-examination. The second is close observation. The third is joyous gratitude. And I'll try to go through these things quickly. Self-examination. If you are a Christian, I think the instinctive reaction is to think, whew, I'm glad that I understand, I believe. I'm glad that I belong a part of the kingdom. I'm the good soil. I understand God. And this parable is told to ask the question, really? Really? Do you really understand and believe? You know, they're not exact numbers, but in the story, the ratio is one out of four. And so you can say Jesus, the sower, he's batting 250. He strikes out three times and gets on base once. Those who get it, get it, but they're not the majority. See, friends, this parable is told to, for us to closely examine ourselves. See, you don't have to be vehemently opposed to God's Word, right? You can say you believe everything in this book. You can come here, sit and worship after worship. You can receive the Word of God. But what happens when tribulation and hardship arises on account of the Word? What happens when the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches come? What happens when Satan comes upon you to snatch what has been sown? You know, these three soils in this parable, they're often described in the following way. The road, that's the hardened heart. Some people listen to the Word of God with a hardened heart. It never penetrates. They come and they listen, not with an openness, but with hardenedness. They're not going to receive it. The second, the rocks, are often described as a person with a shallow heart. They receive it with joy at first. They're glad. They're happy. They receive it emotionally. Yes, I believe. I believe. But it's shallow. It hasn't penetrated fully. 
It hasn't penetrated the intellect. It hasn't penetrated the heart. They just receive it. The third, the, the seed that gets sown on thorns, often this, described as someone who listens with a divided heart. They receive it, but also the cares and the worries of this world still tear them apart. And when those anxieties come upon them, what happens? The anxieties choke out the word. But the good soil, that's a surrendered heart, a heart that's willing to surrender and listen and obey. You know, Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear, let him really listen. You know, the word to hear in Greek is akuo, akuo, from where we get the word acoustics, right, to hear. But the word for obey in Greek is hupakuo, hoop, the prefix, hyper, hyper. So there are those who listen, but there are those who hyper-listen, those who really listen. Jesus says this in Luke 6, 46, And 47, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? See, the parable is calling for self-examination. As Jesus is talking about the kingdom, you know, there are very tough topics that are going to arise. Issues like trust, like who do you really trust? Issues like pride, where is your pride? Jesus talks a lot about money through parables. What is your view on money? Jesus talks about forgiveness through parables, a difficult, difficult topic. He asks questions like, where is your joy, true joy found in? And the parables will give us pause for self-examination. Do you listen or do you really listen? Do you get it? Self-examination, the second point of application is close observation. You know, our vision is to see God's kingdom. Uh, But through the parables, one thing that's going to be apparent is that God's kingdom is actually difficult to see. It's really, really hard to see. Following this parable, Jesus tells, you know, six or seven other short, short parables. And if you look at the next slide, he says this, you know, the kingdom of heaven Uh, He says, it's like weeds and wheat. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And he tells these short stories about the kingdom of heaven. And if you you look at how Jesus describes the kingdom, you can tell that the way in which Jesus describes the kingdom is that the kingdom is is shrouded. It's, It's hidden. It's like a mustard seed. It's small. You can't see it with the naked eye. Or the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. It's so small, but it's so impactful. The kingdom of heaven has subtle and humble beginnings. When you see it, it looks so weak and impotent. The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure. It's a treasure, but what? It's hidden. You have to look for it. You know, a similarity in the way in which Jesus describes the kingdom is that the kingdom is not obvious. The kingdom is obscure. And if we want to see the kingdom of God come into our homes, our communities, and the world, we want to see that. But the truth of the matter is, it is so hard to see. The kingdom of God is difficult to see. 
And so during this series, at times, when we talk about the kingdom of God, its ethic, its teaching, its king, the kingdom of God is going to look small, it's going to look stupid, it's going to look insignificant, it's going to look useless and impotent. We're going to be thinking, my goodness, is this what the kingdom of God is like? It's going to sound backwards, it's going to feel countercultural. But if you get it, if you really get it, it's going to make sense. You know, we're going to come upon kingdom parables that talk about prayer. And you're going to think, what good is prayer? How does prayer help? How does it help me to be, you know, a better parent for my, for my children? How does it help me be, you know, a better spouse? What does prayer do? Prayer, is, it feels so useless, like you're doing nothing. How is being compassionate and loving going to bring about God's kingdom? How is giving a cup of cold water to someone who's thirsty, how does that bring the kingdom of God? And you're going to be thinking, oh, this kingdom is stupid. See, the kingdom, as Jesus teaches, is something that's not obvious. It requires close observation. That's because sin continues to blind us. It continues to harden us. And the truth is we would rather pursue our own kingdom than seek the kingdom of God. The kingdom is not obvious. That's why even the king himself who came in the flesh could not be recognized. And you consider how the kingdom came through the death and resurrection of its king. How stupid and foolish does that sound? But for those who get it, those who believe it's the power of God. The final point of application is joyous gratitude. Self-examination, close observation, The third is joyous gratitude. I know this is a pretty heavy parable because it's it's actually a judgment parable. But there's also an aspect of joy and grace in this because what we find is the sower sows. The sower continues to scatter seed. He continues to scatter the Word of God, not sparingly, but generously. Jesus doesn't select people. He doesn't say, okay, I'm just going to give you the Word of God. I'm going to give you the Word of God, but you I'm not going to give. You don't deserve it. That's not what Jesus does. The sower, he goes into his pocket, he grabs a bunch of seed, and he starts scattering it everywhere. He's generous with the seed. He continues to sow. You see, there's an aspect of joyous gratitude in this parable because whose job is it to prepare the ground? It's not the soil. You and I can't sit there saying, you know what, I need to be good soil, I need to be good soil, I need to be good soil. Rocks, no matter how much they say, I want to be good soil, I want to be good soil, I want to be good soil, cannot be good soil. But how does rocky ground become good soil? When the sower comes, He prepares the ground. He tills it. He flips it over. He fertilizes it. And then he sows seeds. See, it's the job of the sower to prepare the soil. And we know that he does this. Why? Because he took the rocks. We know that he's able to take the rocks out of our lives. Why? Because when Jesus goes to the cross... 
He became the rock of salvation. We know that Jesus is able to take the thorns out of our lives. Why? Because when He goes to the cross, He wears a crown of thorns. Jesus Himself says in John 12, 24, that He is the seed, the kernel of wheat that falls to the ground and dies so that it bears much seed. See, this is a promise. This parable is a promise of what Jesus has done and will continue to do in our lives. There's another aspect of joyous gratitude because we know that the power of life is not in the soil, but it's where? It's in the seed. So it's the sower who prepares the ground. It's Jesus who does His work by the Spirit. And the power of life is not in the soil, it's not in the ground, but it's in where? The seed, it's in the Word of God. And when this Word of God hits the ground, when it comes into our lives, it has the power, the potential to grow and grow and grow and grow, to bring life and to bear fruit. See, the parable, for those who get it, is a parable of promise, of what Christ has done, what He is continuing to do. Would you receive this word now? Would you receive it as life? Join me in prayer this time. Um, If we could just spend a few minutes once again reflecting and responding to the word of God. Uh, There are just a number of things that we went through, but whatever it is that the Spirit is urging you to to reflect on and to dwell upon more, please, as the Word of God has gone forth, as it's been scattered, please dwell on it. Dwell on it. Let it sit a bit. Would you just sit there reflecting and responding? before we get up out of our seats to do the next thing, before we move on to our next schedule, before we take care of what is on our agenda list, would you allow the Word of God, that which is life, to minister to you? So take whatever it is that the Spirit is urging you to reflect on, and would you respond at this time? If it's examination, if it's close observation, if it's joyous gratitude, would you respond after having heard the word of God? Let's pray. Gracious and loving Father, we thank you so much for who you are and what you have done. We thank you that your kingdom 
doesn't come as a boulder, but it comes as a seed, something so small, something so gentle. It's something so potent to give life. We thank you for the gracious manner of the sower, continuing to sow seeds, continuing to scatter. We thank you that the word of God just continues to be proclaimed throughout the world, that there's a scattering of seeds from generation to generation. And Father, we thank you that the work that you have done in us to prepare us to receive your word, Lord, was the work not just of a farmer, but the work of a Savior who gave his life on our behalf. So, Father, would you give us ears to hear as we continue to learn about your kingdom, what it means, what it looks like, what it feels like. Would you give us ears to hear, to really listen? And if there are any areas of submission and surrender that we need in our lives, would you gently and graciously call us to it? Would the word come forth, come up to life? We ask, Lord, that you would do these things for the sake of your kingdom and for the sake of its king. Amen.